0: welcome to the feels like 45 podcast i'm cade webb and as always i am joined by dustin ragusa on a very wet and rainy tuesday night how are you dustin
1: i'm doing well yeah the weather the weather's not great should we should we just go for like 15 minutes on the weather
0: (laughs) yeah this is actually feels like 45 degrees this is our spinoff podcast so uh feels like a a 45 percent chance of rain am i right
1: (laughs) If a podcast that I listen to just randomly started out on the weather for like 20 <laughs> minutes, I would probably never, li- I would unsubscribe instantly.
0: Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on this <laughs> intro and tell us if you'd like to hear more weather content because we can deliver,
1: right? Yeah, but 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 how are you doing, man? I'm doing well.
0: I'm good. Well, we we need to start out hot like that every time. I love it. Uh, well, and, and we're on like four straight days of bad weather that kind of goes up and down. It impacted the PGA a little bit on Saturday. I know you were there on Saturday rocking the orange swing and Pete pullover. Nice to see you repping. Uh, I was out there on Friday. Did you guys have a good time out there?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'd never been to a major. I'd been to a few pro tournaments, but never to a major. So it was, it was a wild experience. So many people, like you said, the weather on Saturday wasn't great, but it held up enough. It never really poured rain or anything. It was a little chilly when the wind blew, but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, it was great. It, uh, it's funny.
0: I, I think I said it last week on the podcast as we were talking about it, golf was kind of my game growing up. I, I stopped playing baseball, stopped playing basketball and, uh, went with golf in high school. And, um, it became the sport I fell in love with, and I had I had never been to a PGA tournament, ever. There just wasn't one ever anywhere between, like, eight hours from me living in Oklahoma City, Wichita, Kansas City. Like, I'd been to some web.com events, so walking in on Friday afternoon and, I mean, seeing Tiger Woods, uh, Ricky Fowler, Stewart, I mean, like – all these guys that I grew up watching, like, I, I don't know if there was anybody that was like shocking to you outside of like Tiger, but I leaned over to my brother and it was like when Jason Day walked up to the tee, I was like, that's Jason Day. Like that is the guy that was number one for so many years when I was playing. And uh, it was just pretty cool to uh, get to see all those guys in person and, and be part of that atmosphere. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I want to go to more for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the one that stood out for me was the one you noted, but just being able to see Tiger in person because he oh, was didn't play in any of the pro tournaments that I had been to. So that was pretty wild and surreal like seeing Michael Jordan. So that was uh, that was pretty awesome for me and just getting to hang out. Uh, a lot of my buddies from college were there, some of them that I don't hang out with as much anymore because they've you know moved out of Oklahoma or whatever so it was fun just kind of getting the group back together and yeah walking around my parents were out there one of my brothers so it was a it was a fun time that's cool yeah
0: my my little brother came down found out we were going on Monday and my brother came down from Kansas City on Thursday night and we were able to go spin that together so it's pretty special uh I think we made a decision that we'll try to attend at least like like it would be so cool to get tickets out to a U.S. Open and a PGA or something like every couple of years and go see different parts of the country. So um, I, we were kind of ate up with it. It was awesome, and I don't know if you hit the pro shop. There, there's some money to be spent in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the pro, the pro shop gave me uh, gave me anxiety. It was making me dizzy in there. People were zooming all over the place. Zooming, and the lights are bright, and the music's <laughs> pumping in
0: there. I mean, it's like. And people are dropping some serious coin. I mean, I left yeah. a, couple, a couple polos, but I felt like I had, like, uh, underspent compared to what I mean people are walking through there with bags loaded to the brim with polo shirts I'm like oh
1: my gosh speaking of uh the music I don't know how the DJ was on Friday (laughs) but it was like a 55 year old lady that looked like she wasn't having any fun at all when I was in there on Saturday and she was my favorite part of the shop well I actually didn't notice that was not our DJ
0: our DJ was a different description she was much younger she looked like she was having a really good time but i almost ran into her because i didn't notice like amongst all the craziness that there's just a lady posted up with turntables and a macbook pro in the (laughs) middle of the pro shop it's in the middle of the floor like you could just back up and run right into her and it almost what a
1: wild job i I what if that's a volunteer
0: job (laughs) oh of all the things that like you could just you could just plug an iPod in, right? Like, I don't know why you had to have that and have them front and center. It's a little strange. Like, yeah, let's take it to the next level, do some karaoke. We could do some stand-up comedy on the hour. I don't know. (laughs) There's all sorts of things you could do with that.
1: Well, and along with, you know, the highlights like the DJ, the pro shop, just kind of seeing Tiger, a couple of the OSU guys did pretty well. They did. Uh, We got to see,
0: I mean, Hovland and Ricky played well um like they they never really made a push but ricky didn't have his classic blow up round it was probably yeah, top his most solid
1: finish yeah most solid four rounds in a major since i can remember gooch was t20 hovlin t41 not great but gooch and ricky played pretty well ricky kind of backdoored his way into that t20 t23 that top 25 but uh tough to watch norin and wolf miss miss the cut you know wolf's we know his struggles as of late. We've talked about him on the podcast, but I was expecting for the five guys to make it, so I was a little surprised Noren didn't. But it was cool to see the other three and get to watch them on Saturday. And I know you were out there on Friday, so seeing everybody. Yeah. But it and that was kind of the
0: thing that I really enjoyed about being there. Fridays, uh, we we followed everybody. I mean, uh, we got out there early enough to see Wolf play a couple holes. Um, we didn't get to see Gooch. That was the only one I was a little disappointed in. We were out there to see, you know, the groups like. Brooks Koepka, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Tony Finau, Shoffley—all those roll in, um, and then be a couple head, a couple holes ahead for Tiger and and Rory. It was just like, it's hard to believe how many superstars were out there just in person. So, anyway, I'm glad you guys had fun, and uh, it was Southern Hills was immaculate. I mean, they've done a really, really nice job there.
1: Yeah, it's it's an awesome course. It was. It was a blast. I think it's going to be back there in like 2030 or something. Oh, that's right? good to know. Not yeah. Too, I didn't, I didn't know not that too far away. I, I may be wrong with that. I thought that's what I saw, but well, I can't come um, soon enough because
0: it, I mean, that opening tee shot, well, it was just like, it had a signature hole. I mean, Southern Hills should be right on the top of the list for courses to go back to for the PGA and the U S open. I would think so.
1: Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And speaking of golf, women's golf, OSU women's golf wrapped up their season, kind of a tough finish at the national championship. They finished 19th. They didn't advance the top 15 teams advanced to the finals. Uh, They didn't advance. So tough season for them, losing Fierro, losing McGinty, two of their top players during the season, but they still were able to, I believe they won four tournaments during the year. I didn't think it was a terrible year. Madison Henson-Tolchard actually got to continue playing. I think she finished after the rest of the team finished because of how she, her score, I think she finished 31st overall. So pretty good, pretty good overall from her there. But we'll see kind of what happens with the girls going forward. They, they faced a lot of diversity this year and we're still able to make it to the national championship. So best of luck to them, I think, moving forward. But, um, you know, I I think they'll be able to kind of pick it right back up where they left off next year. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I think we talked about it when those two players transferred out. It happened
0: on one episode. And at that moment, it was tough to see how Oklahoma State women's golf, you know, I mean, squeezed anything other than what they got out of the season. You know, we I, I said that that really sets them back. And I would think even with that, they still had a pretty nice season. And I think you put it perfectly, they'll be able to pick back up next year and figure it out and probably string together a, a much nicer season, one that they may be more excited about.
1: Yeah, I mean, they never finished outside the top three in any of their regular season tournaments. It's pretty remarkable. That's pretty, yeah, yeah, that's pretty impressive, especially like I like we just mentioned several times, losing those two, two of their best players. So and then Men's golf, they start national championship on May 27th at Greyhawk Golf Club in Arizona, which I believe is where the women played as well. So I, I think I think they've got a shot to win it. They played really well at the regional, finished T1. So I, with guys like Eugenio, Eamon uh, Bo Jin, Stark, They should be able to make a run and I think it'll be the match play will be televised. So that'll be awesome if they can get to that portion of it, but I don't know, Kate, do you think they've got a shot? Oh man. I mean, it would be pretty sweet, right? It hasn't been a, I mean, you
0: know, any year they don't win the big 12 is like, well, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. Right. But it, it is a course they're familiar with they've got the star power i i mean you get into match play with them i would think that that's where you don't want to run into oklahoma state is against against them in match play you might want them in that stroke play comp in the stroke play part of the tournament but match play is a little bit of a tougher matchup i think um depending on who they were able to get so yeah i mean i i like where you're going do i think they'll win it probably not um it's i mean i hate to say it but there's a there's a school near us that is having a pretty good year that looks like they may make a run at it, so we'll see what happens. Um, but I do think they've got a shot.
1: Yeah, I think they'll definitely make it to the match play round, and I, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. I, I think they'll be in the mix for sure. Let's see if we get bedlam. <laughs> yeah, that would be wild.
0: Well, Dustin, uh let's transition a little bit into some football news. Appreciate you opening up with some golf there. I know a lot of our listeners were at the PGA, uh, ran into a couple, which was cool, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice. And again, shout out to our friend of the pod for uh, hooking us up with that. It was a great weekend out there, but one big piece of news this week broke actually right after we got off the pod last week news broke the following day that the NCAA had changed some rulings that will allow a signing class to be above the previous limit of 25. So now you can sign as many players as you want, as long as your overall scholarship limit remains at or below
1: 85. Dustin, did I get that right? Yes. Yes, you did. They did that. And they actually also voted to do away with the NCAA mandate that conferences with 12 members or more must divide in divisions and play a championship game between the two division winners so you saw the Pac-12 recently came out saying mm-hmm. that the two teams with the highest conference winning percentage will now face off in their championship game so that will be interesting to see how that moves going forward it's going to affect the big 12 because they're obviously going to go above that with the teams coming in so uh while OU and Texas are still in the conference so we'll kind of see how that goes not not a lot to dive into there but back to your original point Kate. sorry to kind of go off on a sidebar there we got a question on this, so I wanted to go ahead and hit it now because we can kind of discuss this while we go through it. But at Brennan Ramos, Brennan Ramos, a friend of the pot, he sent us some questions before. He says, basically he asked us for our takes on how OHU approaches not having to deal with the signing class limit and kind of how it affects them moving forward. I, this is something I know Gundy has pushed for, Cade. You know, we've seen him – Talk about it. I know there was a quote I saw from Pope's report where Gundy from Gundy last summer. He said, It's really simple. If you lose a player to the transfer portal, then you can pick up a player one for one and forget the 25 initial limit. You keep the 85 limit on scholarship players. You have teams that have been on probation or gone through tough times and they're down 10, 15, even 20 scholarship players, and you ask them to play games. Player safety, you have to let schools replenish their roster. So this is something Gundy was ahead of the curve on, as he usually seems to be on pretty much every yeah, no NCAA kidding. ruling. But what do you – I mean, Kate what is your overall take on how this affects OSU and just college football? Well, you know? I had never really uh, considered the
0: idea of – you know, I mean, shoot, you have a mass exodus, and all of a sudden you're hamstrung on the amount of players you can sign in a class – Frankly, it seems like an oversight. The fact that that rule still existed with the transfer portal being a thing. Now you have no limit to how many players can transfer out, but you are limited to the amount that you can bring in. That is stupid. And it was probably beyond time for that rule to go away. Uh, You know, you asked how it impacts college football. I'll be curious to see, you know, if now. You know the Alabamas and the Clemson's and the you know Notre Dame's just continue to stockpile talent, even at a at a larger rate. I would be surprised to see much change there because you still have to factor in playing time for these kids. Like a five star player is not going to go. At least I don't think. Maybe as they as they rein in NIL, I wouldn't think that a five star uh, would. you know defensive end for example would join a class of several five and four star defensive ends at the last minute unlike they have in the past several years I just I don't see there being a seismic shift in the way schools accrue talent Um, it's the way
1: I see it though what about you yeah I think there's a couple different ways this kind of plays out and I think I think you made a great point there but OSU like Gundy mentioned they'll be able to bring more players in when they're losing players to this through the transfer portal. So that's a plus. Cause we've seen, we've seen Oklahoma state lose some players there and, you know, kind of struggle to, to get back to the, they're still, I think we mentioned the last pod there at 83 Deandre Jackson actually made that 84. So still not even at the limit. And we're, you know, getting into July or uh, in getting close to the July time when, you know, the players can kind of get back into summer workouts and everything. So, it'll be, it's interesting. And like you mentioned, so now some of the blue blood programs, your Alabama's, your Ohio States, they can bring more five and four-star recruits in, but like you pointed out, maybe these guys don't get playing time. So I'm not really sure how that works out there. Something else, you know, when Oklahoma state is looking at a position on their team. And so they're going into a class saying, Hey, I think we need, two defensive three defensive tackles in this class because we took however many last class we got this many on the roster now you can kind of instead of being super selective maybe you can take some more guys and if you take more guys in maybe some of the guys on your roster that don't think they're going to play ended up transferring out after that so maybe a guy you were iffy on in high school you're able to send that offer out so I'm just not really sure how it's all going to play out there but it'll be It'll be really interesting to see. I, I do think it's going to be a positive for OSU in the fact that they'll be able to, the the Gundy's main point with replenishing from the transfer portal. So we'll kind of see all the ins and outs and how this plays out going forward. But if Gundy wants it, it's probably good for OSU, and and I'm good with it. Well, and it also, you know, if you think about it, Oklahoma State
0: this year, for example, you know, if there's a Uh, position that may not be of need but you would take that player anyway like let's say a quarterback was looking at Oklahoma State but they really really need to use that that scholarship at offensive line or running back or cornerback but they could have used a quarterback that this rule now helps that situation as well yeah And, and it's no secret Dustin that there are there are difficult conversations that are had between programs and players. Scholarships are not guaranteed for four years. Scholarships are renewed at one year. That is, that's, that's the way it works. And so there are oftentimes, especially in college basketball, um, where at the end of the year, you assess the roster the way it exists and you make decisions even about players on your own roster. And so I would expect that this rule helps facilitate some of those discussions and makes them a little more black and white. Uh, there's, you know, especially as Oklahoma state would take a, you know, again, I use quarterback as an example, because it's a little bit thin this year underneath Spencer Sanders, but you probably would have taken one if somebody wanted to come, if you could have figured out a way to make that work somewhere else.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Kind of, kind of mixing the two points we made together. I, I think it'll, I think it'll be a benefit in that regard for an for an OSU, and you know it makes it. Eat, you know what, Gundy and Casey Dunn, Greg Richmond, some of these guys are so good at finding these diamond in the rough players. Now they you can are. offer even more of them. And just right. kind of see, right. kind of see how it shakes out when you get them in. You still have to stay under that eighty five scholarship limit, so we'll kind of see how that that works out. But it's it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be something to watch. And Cade speaking of things like the transfer portal. (laughs) Tell us about your guy, Tyrese Williams. He, he kind of, I think he did a hook there. And then (laughs) I think he,
0: I think, I think we have a first, I've never seen a commitment uh, announcement to a corporation never in my life. (laughs) Uh, And it's, I'm not knocking the kid whatsoever. I actually think it's a pretty smart decision on his part. So if you didn't see Tyrese Williams, Was in the transfer portal, entered in like January, if I remember right. He's been in the portal for a while.
1: And then a couple days. Yeah. Was one of the, was probably the biggest loss of the offensive lineman to the transfer portal. That's a guy who I think was going to contribute pretty significantly next year if he stayed. He was a redshirt junior, I believe. He had been around for quite some time and
0: was definitely in line to contribute some significant playing time and entered the transfer portal a few days ago um, announced that he was withdrawing from the transfer portal and would not be taking off. Like uh, would not be talking with coaches anymore. And I think Dustin, you and I took that to mean, is he coming back to Oklahoma state knowing now that Prince Pines isn't part of the uh, program? Like there is a spot that they're looking to fill. There was about a 45 minute window there where it was like, Oh, does Oklahoma state have another player? And then we find out that he did not because he had decided to take his talents to Dell technology uh, in Texas, which again, it, it was just funny the way it happened because I, I saw the commitment tweet and thought, oh, he's coming back. And uh, he was not. He graduated and he's uh, joining the workforce, which is uh, which is awesome. So
1: we had actually heard, I think we may have mentioned it on the podcast, that when he entered the transfer portal, he was considering retirement as an option yep so I wasn't super shocked by it when that second tweet came out but it would have been nice if he would have come back but I completely understand where he's coming from I know there was you know just some kind of overall issues where if he he didn't really think he wanted to continue playing and I guess he decided on that but this was a guy who was the backup center for a little while, hoping that he could be the eventual starter there. I know he had some issues snapping the football at times, played in five games in 2020. Then in 2021, they moved him to guard, a little undersized there, but played pretty well. He started in two games. Um, And then, like you said, probably going to be a guy who comes in and plays at left guard this upcoming season, but he went to the transfer portal. And now he is no longer playing football. So that would have been awesome if, if that second tweet would have came out and he said he's coming back to Oklahoma State. But it, it just didn't work out like that. But, but best of luck to him, Adele, and seems like a pretty good position he landed there. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, again, not knocking him
0: whatsoever. It's a, it's an admirable decision and probably was one that was either going to happen this year or next year. And so take, take the job that's out there, especially right now. So um, good news there. And then some other good news uh, for Oklahoma State. There is a report out there, Dustin. I know we were going to touch on this. Um, I believe this is from Pokes Report that yeah. Jason Brooks and Casey Collier have shown up and they are both in at least somewhat good shape. So we talked about this last week as we don't know if that's going to happen, and then it happens. So great news there.
1: Yeah, Robert Allen is reporting from a source that these two guys came in and they look like they're ready to get after it. Uh, Brooks, 6'4 half weighing about 310 pounds. Collier, 6'6", six, six, and a little bit over 300 It seems like we had talked about this that they think Brooks could play guard or tackle. You know, he had snaps at both at Vanderbilt. If you can, if you go back to the Twitter thread we put out on our Feels Like 45 Twitter, you can see some of his snaps at both of those spots on the offensive line and both guard positions. Collier hasn't gotten any run yet at the college level, USC transfer but he is a tackle prospect, could be a guy that fills in a depth need there right away. But once they get with Coach Dickey this summer, I think it'll be awesome. I think the fact that they're in shape, they could probably spend a little bit more time in the film room, on the field, kind of doing some scheme-wise stuff, talking with coaches about that. So we'll see how that goes. And then a little odd, uh, DeAndre Jackson is not yet on campus. I think there are some academic kind of, sinking of of uh credits there that he needs to do before he can officially enroll so hopefully he gets in soon and hopefully he's in same shape that those two guys are in
0: yeah anytime it was kind of the ollie gordon thing there was there was some academic not issues but like um hurdles to overcome and and a lot of times it's either about grades or it's just about what credits are going to transfer over and, and what summer classes you may have to take. And so um, yeah, you hope that this doesn't drag on and that uh, Deandre Jackson sh- shows up out of nowhere uh, here soon this summer. Cause uh, Oklahoma state needs him. I, I, I like the depth in the running back room, but it, I, I said it before that I don't love the idea of running back by committee with this roster right now. Um, so I think if you've at least got one to two good options, that helps, but you need to have one or two clear options um, and then work into your depth there. So that's what I think DeAndre Jackson provides. Hope that that gets ironed out soon.
1: And, Kate, I did want to point out before we kind of move on to recruiting, there was one, there is one name still in the transfer portal. You know, Oklahoma State has one scholarship spot left that I know they want to try to use on an offensive lineman. They're at 84, can get to 85. We've said it on here before. He still has not signed anywhere. I know USC is a big player right now, but they've signed a couple of offensive linemen recently. Chris, Oper which it does not look like that's how you pronounce his last name. When you see it, but that, that is how it's on the Tennessee football roster website. He's six foot three, 310 pound uh, backup guard from Tennessee. He's a red shirt sophomore. I think this is a guy. He was a, pretty highly rated recruit three-star, but a high three-star that could come in and contribute right away next season. I'm not sure. OSU hasn't been linked to him at all, but I feel like they should try to make a hard push after this guy. The fact that he's already visited a few places and hasn't committed yet. I know, I know I've seen the offers from Tulsa, like I said, USC, a couple other schools in there. I think he's a guy you could maybe go get
0: you always wonder what's going on there with a guy like that, that hangs around in the transfer portal too long. Is there, again, is there great issues? Is there something uh, there that we may not know about, but at six three three ten out of IMG Academy, you take that all day with the way this offensive line is set up right now Uh, is a redshirt sophomore currently. So, yeah, that would be fantastic and, and nice call there. Uh, I didn't realize he was still in the portal. I just assumed by this point he would have found a, a landing spot. And if Tulsa's in on him, shoot, Oklahoma State can be on in on him no problem.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's only he's one of the last linemen left.
0: He's yeah. The last
1: man standing. And no offense to Tulsa on
0: what I just said there, but also a little offense. Like take a little <laughs> offense to that. So Anyway, Dustin, moving all right along into recruiting, several pieces of news to get to some What's top, top 12, lists, some top eight. You know my stance on tops, so yeah, we we'll, can run through them. Yeah, let's let's run through them real quick.
1: Yeah, so we've got we've got quite a few, and a lot of them are some big name guys. Uh, we've got Samuel Amasego. He is a he put out a top ten. He included Oklahoma State along with Auburn. Florida, Michigan, Nebraska, OU, Ole Miss, SMU, TCU, and USC. 6'1", 208-pound linebacker. If you go look at his huddle tape, you'll see him. He also played wide receiver, and he's pretty pretty amazing at wide receiver as well. Of course, they would be recruiting him as a linebacker. OU, I think, is the favorite right now. No linebacker commits currently in the class, even though you know they have some of those guys that kind of can fit that Leo spot. They don't have a true linebacker there. You got Ashton Porter. He's a four-star guy. Put OSU in the top 10. His top 10's a little all over the place. You've got Arizona State, Arkansas, Baylor, Cal, Grambling, Miami, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Texas. 6'3, 225 pounder out of Cy Ranch. He's a defensive guy. He's a, a, another guy. I think, I think Oklahoma State could be in on this guy with that list I kind of gave you there. So We'll see. We'll see how that moves along with him. Got Anthony James, a four-star defensive lineman. Oh yeah, he give, recently, give me Anthony James. He recently decommitted from Texas A&M, and OSU is making a strong push for him. Four-star guy in the 2023 class. So we'll kind of see where that leads. Both the guys I just mentioned to are 2023. Isaiah Robinson talked about him multiple yeah, times did. on this podcast. Big-time offensive line recruit, four-star. He dropped his tw- top 12 list this week. He's got Oklahoma State in there with Auburn, Baylor, Cal, another Grambling, LSU, Prairie View a TCU, Tennessee, Texas, Texas a and and USC. We talked about him a lot. He visited Stillwater in April on an unofficial visit, and we think he'll be back for an official in June. We've got Ethan Thomason, another 2023 guy here, offensive line guy three-star he put osu in his top eight with byu colorado iowa state nebraska stanford utah and vanderbilt he's very large 6'8, 315 pound like i said a high three-star guy plays basketball as well he's been to stillwater twice unofficially already so we'll kind of see what happens there i think he's going to try to make an official here soon some Negative news throughout all this. Rodney Gallagher, he's the the athlete we mentioned. He had Oklahoma State in his top eight. He was set to visit Oklahoma State July 4th. Well, he went ahead and pushed his commitment up to tomorrow. It's looking like it's going to be West Virginia. This is the dual-threat QB, 5'10", 160 pounds. Probably was going to play wide receiver for Oklahoma State. I believe that's where they were recruiting him at. Four-star guy, so Tough to see there that he's probably going to head to West Virginia. And then lastly, another 2025 guy. (laughs) I love talking about the 2025s. We talked about the quarterback last week, our guy here. This week it's Alabama running back Alvin Henderson. He's got some big-time offers already. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Georgia, Penn State, Notre Dame, Miami, Texas, Auburn, Florida State, Baylor, 511 180 pounds super dynamic guy from Elba Alabama not ranked yet in the 2025 class but with those offers he's probably gonna oh, yeah. instantly be a five star so that's kind of your that's kind of your recruiting rundown I saw our guy uh, Jalen Braxton also put out a top list that had OSU but I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion he's headed to Baylor that came out right for the pod yeah well fantastic rundown there uh Dustin I I really like What's your Isaiah. favorite
0: Isaiah Robinson, yeah, that's I want him too. so. If they could get a four-star offensive lineman, yeah, that'd be so sweet. And and you look at his offer list; two of them are Prairie View A and M and Grambling. Maybe that's where he goes, and if he does great, but it looks like you know there's you know some overcomable names on that list um, for Oklahoma State in that regard. Um, the the other name that I really like, Dustin, I'm gonna go with Anthony James. If they can get him, um, that would be Quite the pull out of Wiley, Texas. So, uh, big fan of both of those guys. But Isaiah Robinson, I've fallen in love with him after hearing you talk about him for the last
1: couple of weeks. So, yeah, give me him for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been a pod favorite. And just to kind of recap, the twenty twenty three commits currently they've got QB Zane Flores, offensive lineman Jack and Dean, offensive lineman from Stillwater Jacoby Sanders, defensive ends Jaden Foreman, Billy Walton, and Ricky Lolohea, and then safety Cam Franklin.
0: Yeah.
1: I like it. Good stuff there, Dustin. Appreciate the rundown. Uh, I do want to
0: take a quick break and say thank you to feels like 45 podcast sponsor price. Buckley Uh, price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma state university. And he loves working with fellow alumni price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach price with Edward Jones, at 469 757 0290 or on his website, as always, at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley. That's spelled B U C K L E Y again. Give price at Edward Jones a call at 469 757 0290. Appreciate your price. Um, love you, Price. Th- <laughs> we, we really do. We really do love you. Um, Dustin, a couple of quick things to uh, really housekeeping notes. We talked about Caleb Asbury and Russell Harrison having committed to Oklahoma State last week, but they've actually gone ahead and made it official and have signed, anytime you see a Twitter account, uh, tweeting about it like an official Twitter account as Oklahoma state did uh, that's because they have signed. So uh, that makes three signees uh, in this class, uh, in addition to Kawhi Williams, who would make four. So, but three out of the transfer portal, Dustin, any new thoughts that we haven't discussed on those two prospects?
1: I just wanted to read you these two quotes from Mike Boynton. He put out that he put out in the press releases for these guys signing. So here's the one on Asbury and apologies for me reading in advance. Caleb Asbury is a flat-out winner. He's won at every level, and he has had some great coaching while doing so. Caleb is a big-time shot maker and a great competitor. He will bring experience and versatility to the the table from day one. Caleb was raised in a family of athletes, and the foundation of hard work was laid very early for him. We look forward to him making a positive impact in our locker room and on the court. So here's the one on Russ. And I want you to tell me what part are we calling these... him Russ
0: now? I like it. He
1: Boynton called him Russ, so I feel like Russ is allowed. Uh, he's Russ. I mean, we can like DM him and ask if that's okay. But uh, tell me the similarities between these two quotes. So, Russ is a highly skilled forward who will make an impact on our ability to space the floor immediately. He has an extremely versatile offensive skill set and length to make him impact to make an impact in our defensive system. He has had a unique journey and we look forward to him being able to use those experiences to continue our pursuit of competing at a high level in America's toughest conference. Cade, what was something similar in each of those? I'm going to go with hard work. That's what it sounds like to me. Am I am I <laughs> close? Hard work is a big one, but I think what I was trying to get at, because it was something Boynton has said he wanted to do. Bringing you going go shop making? We've got Caleb is a big time shot maker and we've got, Rust is a highly skilled forward who will make an impact on our ability to space the floor immediately. Hey, those are things you'll take, especially as yeah. we've
0: watched the offense slog down for the last couple of years, minus Cade Cunningham. But yeah,
1: Dustin, that's got to get you feeling pretty good, right? It, it's it. It seems to me like Boynton just kind of went into the transfer portal and said, "Who are the best shooters?" Yeah, let's just grab. <laughs> can somebody, grab can somebody
0: make shooters? a shot, please? How about you? Can you make it? Yeah, I no, think you're Jack- right.
1: Just, I mean, joking on that. Cause I I do think both of these guys are great players. So Cade, what I wanted to ask you, is this it? Is anybody else coming?
0: Golly. It feels like the Courtney Ramey uh, train has at least like it's, it's at the station. It's at a station. We just don't know where it's at. I mean, he still has several weeks that he can remain in the draft process. And so this, this may not get resolved for several more weeks. And so I'm telling you, unless it's Courtney Ramey or a I mean a high high level prospect, this is it. That's the way I, think, I see it. But I think I it's got to be Courtney Ramey.
1: So, I think I agree. I think it's Courtney Ramey or bust here. I, I I doubt that. And we could definitely be wrong, but I doubt they bring in anybody else now because what they could do is keep that one scholarship and take that towards the sanctions, correct, cuz they'd be at 12 now. Right. That's right. So, I think if Ramy comes, you take him and you go 13 this year and kind of figure it out going forward. But if not, and we, we said this on the last podcast, if not, you maybe just take that one uh, and, towards the sanction.
0: And we had talked about that as not a foregone conclusion. Like they could do that. They likely will at this point, but they don't have to do that. And, you know, the, the agreement is three scholarships over three years. Shoot, maybe, maybe something happens by then. Maybe there is some sort of appeal that we don't know about. Maybe there is some sort of, um, you know, maybe the NCAA makes an overture to Oklahoma State and says, you know what, we overstepped, especially as they're already getting grilled for that uh, elsewhere right now. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think you're spot on. Uh, totally agree with you. It's Courtney Ramey or a bust at this point. I, I just don't see anybody else that's going to move the needle enough to where you have to take them yeah yeah i think you're right one thing i'm pumped about too uh and this is a this is a little bit off topic but oklahoma state recently announced in the big east big 12 challenge they're gonna be facing off against the yukon huskies in stores connecticut which uh i i used to live in connecticut so this is exciting uh and had a lot of friends that went to the university of connecticut so uh definitely an exciting program
1: to go up against dustin what are your thoughts there I was a little surprised. I saw this is only going to be the second time that they've played each other ever. I mean, I can't remember the last time they played. Can you? Yeah. It was at 80 to 64 win for OSU, I believe in December of 1970. So this game is also taking place in December on December 1st. So part of the big East big 12 battle. I, I think it's going to be really fun. I think that's a fun matchup. It'd be a cool game to go to A buddy that's in graduate school um at UConn right now so that would be cool to yeah go
0: that's kind of on my list we were gonna yeah. go to Marquette last year uh me and a buddy and uh, obviously that ended up being a COVID game and no fans were allowed and it's like well I'm not gonna go to Milwaukee for that so yeah. now <laughs> it's like well I'll go to I'll fly into New York City, stay the night, f- drive up to Connecticut, and go see the old stomping grounds, and hopefully see the Cowboys come out with the win. But UConn had a, a much better year than they did last year. They that program has been a little topsy turvy, topsy turvy, up and down. Um, but it seems like things have gotten better. Um, you know, made the NCAA tournament, and um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens for them.
1: Yeah, and Kate, I think that's the fastest we've ever gotten through. Football, football and basketball and basketball and we had some golf in there which is really good because we have a lot of
0: questions this week so yeah uh, i know we'll get to those we're not quite there yet so so don't turn off the radio but uh before we get to baseball and softball i do want to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors all right guys listen up Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage coll- collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available, and I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift, uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Well, it's the shortest that we've ever gotten through football and basketball and yet we're still looking nearly at an hour here. So, uh, it says a lot about you and I Dustin, but I I just love talking to you. I can't get enough. So, um <laughs> an interesting week for Oklahoma State baseball. I mean, starting off with the game on Thursday. Oklahoma State jumps out to an 11 to 3 lead and I frankly like I did I stopped paying attention. It was a little bit late on a Thursday night. Uh was getting up early to go to uh to go to the PGA on Friday. And then I look up and Oklahoma state's tied with Baylor. I mean, it, it happened in one inning.
1: Yeah. It was very, very similar to what Oklahoma state did to Texas. A few weeks back, Baylor rallied and had eight runs, three of those unearned against fan soccer, Dylan Marsh and bogus to tie the game. And then in the ninth, they have a single, and then Antonio Valdez follows it up with a game-winning home run after Oklahoma State had a huge lead for most of the game. So they lose that one 11 to 13. Victor Medeiros, his first game back from injury, and he actually pitched oh, which is great really well. Six innings, allowing three runs on three hits. He had three Ks. I thought he looked good. And this was actually the only game of the series I got to watch live. I had to watch the other ones on replay, but I don't even really want to recap that one because it was. <laughs> yeah, me either. Was, and I don't think absolutely. our listeners do either. Yeah, but the, the series ended up a little bit better or a lot better. They won the next two, taking the series. They went 11 to five on Friday and then nine to five in eight innings on Saturday. But in game two, 15 hits. I believe there was, I believe they had 15 hits in the f- in the third game as well, and I want to say like eleven or something. So the ba- the bats are going, Cade, which is something you and I talked about. I mean, in game two, Jake Thompson went three of four. Zach Earhart had three hits. Justin Campbell picked up the win, improving to eight and two on the season. Struck out five, allowed five runs on nine hits in five innings. He's been allowing a few more hits than you would like, but he's still been pretty dominant at times. So. Kale Davis pitched well, like to see him pitching well heading into the postseason. Marcus Brown had a hit, Rock Riggio, everybody getting in on the action. And then, like I said, in game three, they clinch it nine to five. Jake Thompson and Nolan McLean, a bunch of hits in that one. Mitchell Stone picked up the win in relief. Kind of his first really real impressive outing of the season. He's been a little up and down. McLean, McLean getting a little pitching done there. It Just, just everybody getting hits. I, yeah. I don't even, I can't even, I'm going to name everybody on the team if I keep going, but <laughs> the, the bats are alive. The pitching, although it's been a little shaky, it seems to be coming into form from guys like stone, Kale Davis fan soccer struggled a little bit in the Baylor series, but he's been pretty consistent all year. So you like to see that as you head into the big 12 tournament, which, Starts tomorrow morning bright and early for you against early. Texas at 9 a.m. on ESPNU. Yeah, get your coffee ready. Uh, obviously, it's a work
0: day, so hopefully you, you've been up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed by 9 a.m. <laughs> but if you're not, you better get up because that's a big one. I mean, Oklahoma State got Texas. That's a tough draw with the five. I mean, Oklahoma State gets the four seed and Texas falls all the way down to the fifth seed in the big 12 tournament, which is shocking from where they were at the beginning of the year. But I mean, really you look around the big 12 at what Oklahoma has been able to do. Texas tech. I mean, turned it on TCU, um, you know, Oklahoma state. I mean, it's, it's a shame that they weren't able to figure out a way to get up to that four spot and pick or get up to that three spot and get a West Virginia or somebody like that. So, um, it's it's
1: okay. I think Oklahoma State matches up well, but anyway. Well, the problem there is they actually finished tied for second. But with how the tiebreakers work, mm. they got the four. So they they could have been as high as two. They tied Texas Tech and OU in Big 12 record. But the way with how the tiebreakers work, Oklahoma State got the four seed. Like you said, they they play Texas. It's a double elimination tournament and it's split up into two divisions. So Oklahoma State has Texas, Baylor, and TCU in their division. So if they win, they'll most likely pay TCU in the second game and kind of go on from there. It sounds like they're going to pitch Victor Medeiros first against Texas, and then we'll probably see Campbell in game two, no matter who it is. Bryce Osmond I know is dealing with some arm soren- soreness. We didn't see him against Baylor, so he- hopefully his arm is available as well and move along the tournament. Texas will probably go with Hansen, their ace. But OSU did pretty well against him during the season. They struggled the most with uh Lucas Gordon on the Sunday game, the one that the one that they came had the huge comeback on. So, we'll kind of see how that plays out, but probably don't want to spend too much time breaking down the Texas game <laughs> because by the time you guys listen to this podcast, it'll yeah. probably be over. Yeah, that game will have been over. Um, And I was
0: actually trying to figure out Bryce Osmond was the pitcher in that middle game against Texas where Oklahoma state just uh, railroaded them. He was awesome. And you hope that he can get healthy soon enough, but you know, Dustin to kind of wrap up the, the baseball conversation, we talked about how crucial it was to get a sweep in Waco, not really even for the big 12 tournament, you know, that would have helped, but really you're, you've got an eye on the desire to host a super regional. And I think outside of winning the big 12 tournament um, and some other things falling your way, I I don't see that happening. It seems like Oklahoma state's missed that
1: chance. I think if they won maybe three games, they might have a shot. So this is where they're sitting right now. D one baseball has them at number nine. They're number 17 in the RPI. And then D one baseball has them as the fifteen seed hosting the Stillwater Regional with Arkansas, Louisiana Tech, and Davidson. But I agree with you; they're going to need to make fifteen seed is even, low. Maybe even win it all to be able to get into that top eight and host. I, I just want to make sure. I, I think they just need to make sure they they beat Texas, take care of business there, and then try to beat who most likely will be TCU. If not, fight fight as much as they can in this tournament. And be able to stay in that top 16 because you don't want to get in a spot where you lose to Texas and fall out of don't the top 16 and don't host that, a regional. That's where I'm at. I mean, could you imagine
0: having gone from a surefire super regional host, which is what it felt like uh, two weeks ago, to falling all the way out and, and not hosting a regional? I don't see yeah. that happening. Um, but it's just crazy how that you know that one week really Dallas Baptist and a sweep against tech um, really set this team back uh, in terms of ultimately their positioning headed into, you know, the final stretch of the season. So Victor Madero's getting healthy is massive. Need that to be the case. Need him to pitch well tomorrow. Um, and of course that game's going to be over by the time you're listening to this podcast. So hopefully <laughs> Oklahoma state adds another one to their win total against the horns this year.
1: And real quick kid, before we switch to softball, we, the all big 12 baseball team was announced and Jake Thompson, Griffin Dorshing, Nolan McLean, Justin Campbell, and Roman Fansalker were first team. Rock Riggio and Zach Earhart made the all-freshman team. McLean also – so he made the first team as a utility player. He also made the second team as a pitcher and was honorable mention as an infielder. (laughs) So (laughs) just showing his versatility. And then Marcus Brown, Trevor Martin – David Mindham, Houston Morrill, and Bryce Osman were all honorable mentions. So, five guys on the first team, two guys on the all freshman team, and then McLean on every team. Pretty, pretty solid there from Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You love seeing those guys get recognized.
0: Uh, it has been an overall extremely positive year. Oklahoma state was all the way up to number two in the country at one point. So um, not to be diminished by that, that rough stretch a couple weeks ago. So good to see those guys get the recognition they deserve, but, you know, moving to, to Oklahoma state softball, taken care of business. Didn't slip up once got a little dicey against Nebraska in that middle game, uh, but ultimately able to take care of business, even with some limited offensive production uh, in a few of those
1: outings, Dustin, any takeaways from you? I know you got them. Fordham, 12-0 in five innings. Get the run rule there on Friday. They take on Nebraska, beat them 7-4, and then finish it off with a 2-0 victory over North Texas. Game one, Kelly Maxwell, no runs, two hits, struck out 10 in five innings. Julie Cottrell had the grand slam her second of the season, which was awesome to see. Cheyenne Factor getting hits, Caitlin Carwile, Taylor Tuck with a bunt to move people over. Chelsea Alexander. uh, Carwell had a home run as well. Just everybody playing great in that one. Game two, Morgan Day pitched seven innings, four runs on five hits. She got into trouble in several innings, but never really let it get way out of hand. Oklahoma State stole five bases, which tied their season high.
0: Yeah, and it was a little (laughs) fluky the way Nebraska got Two of their four runs. It was a late yeah. two-out rally, hit by pitch, uh another like bloop it, infield hit, and then a, a one to the wall. And it's uh, you know, all of a sudden a two-nothing game. Nebraska is leading, so that felt a little
1: fluky. But that's that's postseason, you know, sports in general, but especially softball. Yeah, getting some big-time hitting from Busby, Pennington, Ella late in that game, Carwell as well, Chelsea Alexander. I believe she's still on her hit streak. Everybody just getting hits late, clutch li- hits late in that game. And then in game three, Kelly Maxwell, 15 strikeouts. Yeah, at seven innings, no runs on two hits. She had the Miranda Ellish home run. You had Carly Petty hitting a double late in the game. Um, and then an error that allowed Petty to score from second on that. So that's how they got their two runs. Kelly Maxwell talked about it after the game. The first time she faced North Texas, they were on her rise ball. So she went to that changeup, drop ball, and they could not even touch it. That's a pitch she's pretty much worked on all offseason, something she didn't really have early in her career with Oklahoma State, but she's pretty much perfected it now. And the fact that she has several pitches in her arsenal and is able to place the ball really wherever she wants with disgusting spin makes her elite, even without the high-end velocity. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, so they
0: head into a – Super regional against Clemson, who we discussed last week. Ultimately, that's who Oklahoma State ends up with. I mean, what do you see out of them? Anything make you nervous, like, after maybe a closer look at them?
1: Um, so, you know, obviously this is 7 versus 10 coming here into Stillwater. So so they're hitting – they dominated their regional, and they scored a lot of runs. But throughout the season, they haven't really been known for their hitting. They're 111th in batting average. 69th in on base percentage, 63rd in steals per game, 85th in scoring. They do hit a fair bit of home runs, but, and then on the defensive side, they're 71st in fielding percentage. So you're like, how is this team good? Well, they're seventh in ERA, 18th in strikeout to walk ratio, and fifth in the number of shutouts pitched this season. Valerie Cagle and Millie Thompson have been pretty lights out, mainly Cagle on the mound for them, for the Tigers. And Oklahoma State is going to need to get the bats going, which you mentioned earlier. We've seen at times this year they've struggled with. And if they can't, I'm a little worried about how some of these games are going to turn out because Clemson does have solid pitching. Yeah. I mean, they, these could be slugfest. These could be three to two games,
0: two to one games. And we've seen Oklahoma state grind out some of those wins. And, you know, I said Oklahoma state had limited offensive production in in a couple of games last week, it was really just one, but they they struggled to get much going at all that game outside of, of a home run late in that game. And then some action late, it was, it was zero zero for quite some time. And so um, You nailed it. I think if Oklahoma state's going to get out of the super, it's because the bats come alive a little bit. Clemson's got the pitching. Um, but frankly, Oklahoma state does too, to win some of these low scoring games. I compared them to the Kansas city Royals last week. I'm sticking to it. They can win some of these low scoring games.
1: How do you think the super goes? Do you think it goes to the third game or do you think Oklahoma state sweeps it in two? I could see it going to three games. Um, I think Clemson's pretty good.
0: Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it in two, though. I think Oklahoma State's going to win the Super. I do. Clemson looks like a really solid squad, but uh, I like Oklahoma State. I think there's too much momentum right now. But the bats have got to get going. I'll take Oklahoma State
1: in three. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go with it. I love that. I, I'm actually going to go with them in two. I like it. I like I, that better. I've got, tr- <laughs> I've got trust in, in our girl Morgan Day. I She's think after awesome. kind of a little bit of shakiness in that Nebraska game at times after that dominating performance in the big 12 championship, I think she comes back and, uh, and shows, shows her stuff, which we know she has. So those games are kind of crazy times. It's Thursday at 8:30 central Friday at eight central. And then Saturday game hasn't been announced yet, but those first two games are on ESPN 2 let's see if Oklahoma state can, knock it out and head to the college world series where I will definitely be at if they make it there.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that makes it a little tough that Thursday night at eight 30, that makes it tough to get up from, from Oklahoma city on for anybody looking to go. So if you're in Stillwater, get out there. And if you're in Tulsa, get out there. It's a little tough to make eight thirty on a, on a Thursday night work to get back to uh, Oklahoma city. So uh, need all the support they can get. It'll be a fun weekend in Stillwater, but totally with you. And I love the confidence. I, I would be, Uh, shocked if it went a a different direction. I'll just say that. So yeah, agreed. Moving right along into the uh, question part of the show, Dustin, I don't believe we had any audio questions this week, so you can kick us off in, in some Twitter questions.
1: Yeah. We've got our first one is M at camera one at underscore camera one underscore. Sorry. I think I always say that wrong. So, (laughs) Thanks for the question name. You always ask us a lot of good questions. We r- really appreciate it. He said any word on how Queso Brooks and Casey Collier look so far bonus question, any word on Talon Shetron's injury recovery status? We already heard, well, we already talked about the uh, Brooks and the Collier. They look good from what we've heard on Shetron. Kid, correct me if you've heard something different, but I believe he's still on the scooter and in the boot just because they're trying to keep weight off of it while they're not in practice right now. But my understanding is if he was a one receiver and we were in the middle of football season, kind of like the Ollie Gordon injury, they could could go ahead and put him back in. I don't think it was a real long, long injury, long timetable of return. I think if they they had to play a game tomorrow and he was – one of their only receivers that they had to throw out there, they would put him out there.
0: Yeah, that, that gives me a, a nice boost of confidence there. I have not heard anything differently. Um, and, and we did already talk about Keso Brooks and Casey Collier. Uh, so, you know, good news on that front too. But I have not heard anything on Talon Shetron, So hopefully that's the case. Um, you know, it didn't seem like it was anything too majorly bad in the spring game either. So um, you just hope that's the case.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully what I'm hearing is correct because you definitely don't want to see a injury kind of dragging on into the season there right, for him. Right. Next up, we've got C. Stee at Curse of Cowboys, our over-under guy. We love these. So he says, over-under one high school men's basketball player signs in the 2023 class of the OSU. That is tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it is a little tough. Um, because I think it's going to be one, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think it's one as well. So I'm going to take a push. I think the transfer portal is the thing. However, however, we talked about Brandon Garrison last week, we talked about Trent Pierce, David Castillo, is he 2023 or is he 2024?
1: I think, think he's 2024,
0: he's but it, Castillo. I'm gonna look. Yeah, I'm going to look.
1: While you while you're looking that up, one point I did think of is, you know, Harrison he's 24, my bad. and some of these guys only have one year left. So maybe, you know, these, these transfer portal guys aren't long-term, and, you know, he could take another transfer portal guy and things like that, you know, Courtney Ramey. But with it only being one year for some of these guys, I'm going to go ahead and go over and say they get two.
0: Uh, I I mean, I like it, Dustin, but we're talking about – I mean, last week I said how high school recruiting is, is shrinking in importance, especially as you get into the – 100s and 200s ranked players in basketball it's that way because of the transfer portal you can go out and get a russ harrison or a caleb asbury and it's a little bit more of a surefire deal than taking a flyer on some, on somebody like a parker frederickson for example um so i think you, I mean, you even saw iowa state build an entire roster out of the transfer portal so i think i'll stick with one but i don't think it'll be zero it's either one or it's two so I, I like where you're going with that.
1: Yeah, and I, I do agree with you. I think it's going to be one. I just, I just wanted to say a different answer than you. So yeah, I'm no, go I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you
0: saying that for sure.
1: I feel like that's my answer every time. Uh, <laughs> next up, and thank thanks for that question. That curse of cowboys. We love the over unders. Please please continue to send them. You've been pretty consistent, and I don't think I think we've liked everyone. We're not just saying that. Yeah, here pretty
0: us. soon he's going to ask for either. like a segment. And it's gonna be—he's gonna ask for sponsorship money, and so we gotta like <laughs> make sure he knows. Like, no, we just appreciate it, okay?
1: Yes, that's very true. We don't—we don't appreciate it too much, but we appreciate it <laughs> a normal amount.
0: We, yeah, okay. as as much as one would.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we got Luke Jet at Luke Jet. Luke's thank, thanks for the question. He says we, we've done this before, but I don't think in the way he's asking it. He says, rank your top five OSU QBs since 2000. We did Whoa. an all-time. Yeah, we haven't done this. But I don't think we've done since 2000. He says, I think Mason is over and at one. Longer career, beat OU in three full seasons. So, Kate, okay, let's just say make up your own criteria here and rank your top five.
0: Yeah, okay, I will rank my top five. But, Luke, real quick, Mason – does not you cannot put Mason Rudolph over Brandon Whedon so I appreciate you saying what you and, said there but hard disagree
1: let me get let me just kind of run through the guys who you know attempted enough passes to even be yeah. really considered also in their career. <laughs> so I'm gonna go I've got Spencer Sanders we've got Cornelius Mason Rudolph JW Walsh Clint chelf Brandon Whedon Zach Robinson, Josh Fields. You could throw Bobby Reed in there. You could throw Osopo guy in there. I don't know if you want to count Tony Lindsey since I think his last season was 2000, so maybe we say after that. But that's pretty much who you have to pick from, from to rank your five. You could... You could count Dax Carmen if you want, because I think he attempted like almost 300 passes. Well, I mean, he was he's number one.
0: That's who I was <laughs> arguing with Luke about. Um, so, so there's your pool to choose from. Yeah, God, this is tough because I haven't thought about it and I'll get roasted if I say it. But I'm going to go – there's been a lot of good quarterbacks come through Oklahoma State in the last 20 years. So when I say this, just, just bear with me, okay? I'm going to go number five, Josh Fields. Number four – clint shelf number three zach robinson number two mason rudolph and number one brandon Wheedon. so you don't have sanders right now yeah uh yeah man I, I mean you know i guess i i wasn't including sanders in my thought process but if i was going to include sanders i would probably put him ahead of zach so that would bump josh out of it and it would i would put him i mean that would put sanders at three and then you go uh zach four and shelf five so if i was including spencer which i wasn't in my original list but i would include spencer in my top five sure
1: okay i like that so run through him again from the
0: top buddy. okay so now if i'm including spencer which i didn't know i could do i'm gonna go number five uh is clint shelf Number four is Zach Robinson. Number three is Spencer Sanders. Number two is Mason Rudolph. Number one is
1: Brandon Weeden. I like that, Cade. I like, I like your top five. Let me just, so what I did while you were talking is I put everyone from that era that I, I kind of went through, I took everyone that had attempted over 500 passes in their career, and then I ranked them by QB rate. Okay, so college football sports reference. If you do that, it's Mason Rudolph 1, Brandon Whedon 2, Zach Robinson 3, Taylor Cornelius 4, and Clint Shelf 5, with Sanders 6 and Josh Fields 7. So So, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I just wanted to do – I kind of wanted to see what the QB rate was if you look at those guys. So taking out guys like J.W. Walsh and Dax Garman who didn't get to that. 500 career attempts number I,
0: I think the thing about taylor cornelius for me like i feel guilty having him at seven that seems too low for how good of a quarterback he was but if we're if you got to factor in accomplishments oklahoma state didn't do much with taylor cornelius running the show for two years um i mean legitimately they, they just did not have a very good football team and so I think my perception of him is diminished, but I do think if we're going like pure talent is he, I mean, would you put him at three or four? I mean, just pure talent. He's there.
1: I kind of want to put him in my top five. So I haven't done mine yet. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Whedon. And the thing there is his numbers. I know Mason Rudolph's are ridiculous, but he's got 300 more attempts than Whedon. Whedon was on the greatest Oklahoma State team of all time. He's only two points below in QB rate from Mason Rudolph with, that, with those 300 less attempts. I, he was extremely efficient, 75 TDs, 27 interceptions. Just from watching, from watching both of those guys, I think I've got to go Brandon Whedon there. I'm going to go Mason Rudolph two. I'm actually going to go Zach three. I think I'm going to go Spencer Sanders four. And then my five, it's, re- it's hard for me to kind of fight between Chelf, Cornelius, and Josh Fields there. I think I'm going to go Josh Fields. And I think I'm going to leave. I think I'm going to go Cornelius six, Chelf seven. Mm. And yeah. I know a lot of people have Chelf a lot higher. I think it's just hard for me to put Cornelius and Shelf in there when they had – such fewer career attempts than everybody else and i know that's not it's not really fair but it's hard to you know kind of group it's tough to group them all together because like Cornelius, 509 career attempts and shell 537 those other guys those other guys i put in there we've got mason rudolph who had 1400 1100 from whedon zach robinson's at a thousand Spencer Sanders is already at 886. Josh Fields, 815. So you're looking at at least 300 fewer attempts from Cornelius and Shelf and the next closest guy. And yeah, a, almost a thousand less than Rudolph.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you just exposed it right there for me that I think the whole reason I have Shelf so high, it, one, he was, a, he was a really good quarterback, but he, he did a lot while he was at Oklahoma state. I mean, that win over Baylor, who was number three at the time in Boone Picking stadium was a huge win. Oklahoma state was, you know, knocking on the door of a big 12 title. We don't have to rehash that, but they were much closer than they were with Taylor Cornelius running the show. But again, just from a pure talent standpoint, those guys are they're high on my list. I mean, Cornelius was he's he's three or four in just raw talent uh and I know it may not have been raw being a fifth and sixth year senior but he was still a a really good quarterback so don't take my list to diminish any of that
1: yeah and if if you take those two out and go by QB rate it's it's Rudolph Whedon Zach Sanders Fields which is basically my list with Whedon and Rudolph flips. so I'm Probably kind of cheating there after I had was looking at all these stats. Yeah, I no kidding. You cold, you so
0: <laughs> I went in blind and you had already referenced like Pro Football Focus, called Like, I get it though. I get it.
1: No, I love it. That was a great discussion. We love talking about those questions, and we know that uh the, those questions get people really fired up. So I'm sure everyone's gonna hate our list. I'm I'm expecting some text messages telling me I'm an idiot. Yeah, for and that's real. fine because I am so probably
0: coming from me, but
1: that's okay. <laughs> next we've got uh at 1012 network our uh our parent company there the podcast network that we're on that's our guy philip slavin he says where does cowgirl softball's big 12 tournament title game win over ou rank all time among bedlam victories across all osu sports
0: holy cow philip you have a podcast uh, sir you know i can't answer this i have no idea this
1: is Yeah, this is a tough one. I love the question, Philip. It's a great question. Loaded answer. It's just tough because I feel like I would need to like look at a list. I know. That's where I am. Every Bedlam win from every sport because all that's coming to my mind is football. I know. And then it's like, okay, well, I'd be forgetting about like, for example,
0: like the Big 12 tournament win over Oklahoma when they had Trey Young for Oklahoma right. State to take two out of three. It's like, OK, well, where does it stack up against that? I mean, frankly, it would probably be tougher to crack the top 10 in my mind just off the jump. But it's only because I'm like, OK, now I'm stacking football, huge basketball wins. Ba- like if- Maybe it's top 10, but I have no idea right now.
1: And if we forget wrestling, Lee's going to come after us.
0: Yeah, for real. He will never come
1: back on our pod. Or if he so, does, it'll be a bloodbath. I don't know if I can answer this one. Let's just say it's in the mix.
0: It's, it's a contender for that list.
1: It's on the list.
0: Want, we just have no idea how big the list is.
1: I don't want our wrestling buddies to beat us up. I don't want any other sport, ten, Cal cowgirl tennis, anything like that to come after us. So if we're just comparing it to football and basketball, I don't think it's super high on the list, but I think it's in there in the mix.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And it was sick. Let's not get, let's not get it twisted. It was fantastic, but I, I have no clue how big the list is at the, the moment. So
1: <laughs> we had uh, next week. This isn't a question, but just want to shout out our guy, Chris Gibbons at Chris 74 Gibbons. He had asked us about uh, the big 12 conference alignment and the pods and everything he sent us a screenshot of them, the SEC talking about creating its own playoff during league meetings next week, per Pete <laughs> Thamel. So I thought that was kind of he thought that was funny and just kind of put that on top of there. Very thanks, I also Chris. Thought that was funny. So Chris, thanks for sending that over. And then our last question, uh, Delaney Osborne. At Delaney Osborne, really appreciate the question here. What are the benefits? of the cowboy back in the offense instead of the traditional tight end. I know we've kind of talked about this on here before, Kate, and and I know I think we've actually probably talked about it on our other podcast. I know I've written about it. Basically the cowboy back position is supposed to be a fullback tight end hybrid. So the benefits of it compared to some of the tight ends you see on other teams is it's got more of a blocking functionality, but that also can be a negative of it because maybe it we've seen at times that there's less of a receiving threat there with some of the guys that have been recruited and playing that position outside of your Blake Jarwins, Jelani Woods, guys of that nature. So I think the benefits are that there's more of an emphasis on blocking. We've seen some of the split zone, inside zone, outside zone, where the cowboy back is attached to the line of scrimmage or at the H back spot, being a very efficient blocker and opening up big holes there keeping them in the backfield as a max protect instead of letting the running back go out to be able to block and pass protection. So I think those are kind of the benefits, but I know you and I aren't huge fans of the cowboy back position. We like the Blaine green. We like the tradition. We like the Tabri Shetran. We like the traditional, not, not even traditional tight end, the more versatile tight end that we've seen from some of the NFL guys, like your Travis Kelsey's, Guys of that nature. So I I think the benefits are the fullback part that it's a blocker that we've seen be really effective, but I think it's also kind of a negative as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fantastic breakdown there, Dustin. I think back to when, you know, the Big 12 was so spread heavy, the cowboy back was a phenomenal idea. There's still some things that it does well, but the fact that it's not leaned on as a receiving option, like You know, look, look at other schools around even the conference that do utilize a larger um, H back tight end type of position, split them out, put them in the backfield and run them out. Uh, Oklahoma State's never really done that with the Cowboy back. And so, again, when when the Big 12 was so spread heavy back in 2011, 2010, 2012, 2013, it was it could have caused some matchup nightmares. for for opposing defenses. And so, um, you know, I think Baylor was one of the first to bring the tight end back into the big 12 and, and, you know, Oklahoma state follows that. And so, um, you know, I I just don't know if they ever had really the right guy there um, to, to do both to block and receive. So.
1: Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with you and, and I really appreciate that question. That's, some football kind of X's and O's stuff we haven't really been hitting on, which kind of gets my juices flowing. Uh, Kate, I actually did forget. We have two direct message questions I'm forgetting about. We've oh, got nice. one from William Ch- Chitwood. He asked, with the transfer portal closed to new entries, do you expect OSU to still try and f- find a transfer offensive lineman? We hit on that earlier. There's a couple guys still in the portal, like uh, our guy from Tennessee, who I-, I already forgot how to pronounce his last name. Chris is what I'll call him. (laughs) And then there's still Juco guys. I think they're really going to try to fill that last scholarship spot, the 85th spot with an offensive lineman, but I don't think they're just going to give it to anybody. Yeah. However, to answer your question, I personally think they're going to find somebody and I think they're going to fall with that last scholarship spot being given to an offensive lineman. Now, do I know if that's going to be one of the few guys left in the portal or a Juco guy? I have no idea there. I don't have a good guess. I
0: love that you're confident that they find somebody. I think they need one more body. Um, if they aren't able to find anybody, you know, maybe they hold on to it and give it to a walk-on. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's the other There's all sorts of there. things that could happen. A cornerback? Right. Corner or offensive line, like either of those I'm, I'm all for. So appreciate the question there for sure.
1: And then our last one is from Greg at Greg Hockert. He says, he's a big fan of the pod. Appreciate that, Greg. Looking at OSU's football schedule this year, what is your way too early sleeper game we should be concerned about? He said, take out OU and Baylor because they aren't sleepers. He said his pick would probably be K-State on the road. Manhattan is always tough and we'll have Texas on homecoming the weekend before. Keep up the good work. Appreciate that, Greg. Yeah, thank you,
0: Greg, for the kind words. I like K-State as a pick there. So Um, do I. Yeah, I think that might actually have been my answer had I not known Greg's. If there's another one, let me get the schedule in front of me. Emory Jones transferring to Arizona State makes that game a little more interesting. I don't know if I would still consider that a threat, but um, I think Arizona State's going to be a little bit better. I mean, Dustin, anything jump out at you, with that question outside of, I think that's a really good call about K-State.
1: Yeah. I'm not, not super worried about Texas Tech at home or at TCU. Yeah. I think, and I mean,
0: you can't call Baylor to open the conference schedule as a sleeper. That's, that's a huge game.
1: Maybe Texas at home. I I just, I'm not going to say Texas just because they got to prove something to me. Yeah. Well, I maybe they he, are a
0: sleeper at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel I me? think, yeah. <laughs> got
1: I, think it's K, I think it's K-State. I, I think it's got to be K-State because if we're taking out Baylor and OU, K-State's well before games like Iowa State and West Virginia. So if he's talking about the first one on the schedule, I think the first one that I think OSU could drop just with a bean away game. And we've seen K-State do some things recently under their new head coaching regime there. Uh, I think that's the one on October 29th.
0: Yeah, I love that call. If there's another one, man, it might be at TCU, but I don't I, I don't know if I've seen enough out of them to be all too worried about that. I think K-State might be decent. But Adrian Martinez will change, change some things for them. I think they'll be a little bit more dynamic at that quarterback spot. So
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great call, Greg. A lot of really
0: good questions there. Dustin, thank you for running us through those. As always, we appreciate the listener being part of the show. It's something we're excited about every week. If you don't know, you can submit a listener question every week. We send the link out on Twitter. And if you're not already following us on Twitter, you can do that at feels like 45 pod. You'll see our notifications about the show when it comes up every Tuesday, you'll see also Dustin's fantastic Twitter breakdowns and some other fun stuff sprinkled in there. Dustin, do you have any more final thoughts before we wrap this up?
1: I think I'm good to go. I appreciate all the questions as always. They were fun. And, Kate and I love answering them. As you can tell, we spend a lot of time. On
0: them. We, do. we do. The, the QB since 2000, we spent a, an extra amount of time on that one was <laughs> fun and engaging. So appreciate you on that one. Um, Dustin, since you don't have any final thoughts, I don't either just beat Texas, beat Texas and beat Clemson. That's all I'm thinking about this week. Uh, for Oklahoma state, anything on on top of that is gravy. So appreciate you as always. Uh, and again, if you're not already following us at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter, you can follow Dustin at DustRagu. You can follow me on Twitter at Cave Webb. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go, pokes.